Welcome to the Meat and Poultry Podcast. This podcast is your online portal to hear from experts in the industry about the latest news, trends, technologies, and people in the world of meat and poultry processing. For the Meat Poultry Podcast, I'm Ryan McCarthy, Digital Media Editor. Keeping a fundamental idea of the message for farmer focus is the objective for Mark Saylor. The company's senior brand manager shared how the poultry producer continues to work through the challenges of meat sales around the holiday season in 2022, especially after Thanksgiving. During this episode of the Meat and Poultry podcast, Saylor describes the variety of cuts and products that farmer focus used to appeal to customers as they figured out how to celebrate the holidays during inflationary conditions. Mark also examines what the marketplace will look like for the poultry industry going into 2023. He then shares what Farmer Focus looks at with its organic and claims-based meats and how the company continues to expand to more East Coast stores. The discussion also turns to how Farmer Focus and others balance e-commerce shopping with the traditional retail experience that still dominates the landscape. Near the end, Mark talks a little bit about how he got started with Farmer Focus and how he's adapted his skill set to various brands throughout his career. For more information on Farmer Focus, make sure to listen to a previous interview we've done with Corwin Heatwool, founder and chief executive officer of the company. We will have a link to the interview in our show notes. Now take a listen to our conversation with Mark Saylor. From your perspective uh, for Farmer Focus, how, how are retailers planning uh, a lot of things that are going on in December with the holidays now, um, especially with what, what happened uh, with Thanksgiving? Yeah, the retail landscape has been really interesting to watch. You know, consumers are very aware of inflation. Um, and, you know, I, I was talking about how uh, they did a, a Thanksgiving tracker and talked about how the typical Thanksgiving meal was going to cost around uh, 14% more than last year. Um, and that's kind of driven by two things, right? There's obviously the price component, but there's also um, kind of the, some brands are choosing to promote less. So ultimately to the consumer, it's looking like this price increase. Um, so in, in response to that, you know, consumers respond different ways. So some people are, are cutting back and hosting um, smaller events. Um, you know, some people are, are, are traveling less. So there's a couple of different consumer reactions. And I've really enjoyed watching retailers get creative to address it. So I know like back home at my local shop, right, they had a promo where if you spent, you know, X hundred dollars in the month of November, you would get a free turkey. But it wasn't just your free turkey. It was a free turkey. It was a ham. It was pork shoulder, lasagna. There were even vegan options. It was really incredible to see. Um, and I think all that to say, kind of getting back to your question about how retailers are going to react in, in um, holiday is promoting things that might be typically out of season, you know, giving consumers different options and thinking about what is the consumer mindset during that time. There's a lot around um, hosting and, and entertaining and, and younger generations are, you know, you think about like trends in social media, what was charcuterie boards and then briefly butter boards and things like that and um, how these retailers can meet these evolving demands in new and interesting ways. So, when you're looking at it from that perspective, 
with farmer focus, what, what do you guys kind of attack from your side of it compared to, you know, once you gave us that overview of kind of what everybody's looking at in the meat industry? Yeah, so we try to do a couple different things. You know, I think there's side A, the more traditional side of the business. We'll always talk about whole birds. That's a little bit more kind of, you know, traditional for a, um, a family holiday gathering. But then I also think we try to talk about this more entertaining focused um, trend-focused uh, way of approaching the holidays. So we'll do, um, you know, wing boards or chicken tender boards and, and stepping in as not only a, uh, a brand and a supplier, but giving consumers some inspiration about how they can do something a little bit different for the holidays as well. Mark, I wanted to, to discuss a little bit about the challenges that poultry farming's faced in 2022 and kind of what, what you guys have learned from it from a farmer-focused perspective. Yeah, 2022 was a tough year across the industry. You know, we had um, a resurgence of avian influenza. There were rising feed costs, supply chain issues. It was it was a tough year all around. And I think the biggest thing that we learned was the the need to um, be nimble and be able to react and and get creative. Really, when kind of it comes down to it. Um, you know, it, it's tough in an industry like this, um, and not just specific to poultry, but there's, you know, a certain amount of lead times that are associated with, with raising these birds. But I think um, it, it kind of doubled down on the importance of, of forecasting and working with your retail partners um, to, to find outlets for your product. And again, think about what is the consumer perspective, because they're facing some um, pressures during 2022 as well, a big inflationary period, and how can we kind of all work together um, to make that work? And I think the other kind of piece of that is going to be around the power of your story. So from a brand perspective, you know, we have, I think, a really strong story about why our company was founded and a lot of our attributes that are, are pretty specific to the brand. You know, we talked about the farm ID, the traceability, um, a fair pay for farmers, things like that. And, and which is just to say that throughout the year, you know, the goal is to really build this loyal fan base so that when there are tough times, both on the consumer side and on the supplier side, that you have um, this group of consumers who understands what you're going for and they're supporting you for more than just a price point. They believe in your story. Um, and that's something that, you know, we feel is, is more unique to us and something that kind of helped us get through 2022. Yeah, I was going to touch on that. Um, for you guys, what what did you feel like what you were able to do successfully? I know you talked about having to be so nimble with a lot of things, but what what did you feel like was successful in order to build on for next year? Yeah, so a couple of things. Um, one of the the big ones was around how we focus on innovation or new products. So late late twenty twenty one, um, but primarily in 2022, uh, we introduced a new line of pre-season products, um, and that's really evolved throughout the year. So, um, you know, you think about typically uh, most popular products or strongest performing products in uh, the chicken category are going to be your boneless, skinless breast, um, tenders, boneless, skinless thighs, things like that. Um, and when we talked about we want to create this pre-season line, you know, it really started with what is the opportunity for the consumer? Why would they want this? Um, and kind of coming out of COVID, people returning to this new normal, um, you know, schedules are, are hectic, schedules are busy. Um, let's help provide the consumer with something that they can uh, 
cook and get on the table easier. That's also going to relieve them of this, what I like to call mealtime monotony, right? The same flavor. So we introduced um, some, some new more global flavors with really a, a strong health focus as well. Health and wellness were kind of big consumer trends coming out of COVID and you know, still today. So everything is low sugar, um, allergen-free, things like that. So again, this program really helped us to evolve throughout 2022. Um, and as we look at, at how that's going to evolve for the new year, um, we're looking at different cuts, right? So we, we did not have a, a flavored wing in 2022. Um, so we're introducing that in 2023. Um, we're changing up some of the flavors with some of our other cuts. Um, one of the products was a, a half chicken that we had never produced before. We obviously sell whole birds and then we sell um, further processed parts, but half chicken was a new introduction for us. And it's really interesting when we talk about um, the shifting dynamics of family sizes in the country, um, you know, couples who are either empty nesters or choosing to delay or not have children, um, this kind of half bird is a really ideal size for them. So we've seen some, some new cuts, new flavors, uh, and new ways of approaching and meeting consumer dynamics. Yeah, and you touched on quite a bit of that, but um... How, how have you kind of examined uh, your category, the organic chicken category and shopper um, as that kind of continues to evolve next year too? Yeah, so I think the organic category holistically um, is, is doing really well. So when we, when we look at the, the broader um, chicken category, we have these three distinct segments. We have organic, um, we have ABF, and we have our conventional product. So what we've seen is in 2022 over 2021, um, organic and ABF were both growing about 7% year over year, um, and conventional chicken was actually declining around 4%. Um, I think that's especially notable given price pressures that consumers are facing, um, that they're really choosing to kind of shop with their dollars, vote with their dollars, even in these tough economic times, for for brands that, that they believe in the mission of. Um, so like for us, um, you know, we talk about being a, a claims-based protein or a claims-based product. Um, and I think that's going to be just a, a more inherent part of brand sales going forward, not just for farmer focus, but across the category, when you see this increase in organic and EBF, and, and it's due to things like, you know, farmer focus being a certified humane product, um, organic and free range, non-GMO, um, you know, fair pay for farmers, things like that. So these are some of the trends that we see on, on a larger level, I think that are contributing to this growth within some of um, the, the, the upper tier um, categories of chicken, if you will, that are I think really interesting to watch and see how that evolves. You know, I was, I was curious, I talked to Corwin um, end of last year and, and things like that. And uh, what areas of the U.S. have you guys kind of seen your brand expand uh, over the last year? Yeah, it's been really exciting. So um, in Q4 of this year, so really just the past couple of months, we've added um, over 700 stores. Um, we actually released a press release earlier today um, talking about how we expanded chain-wide in Publix. So we were in some of the more northern regions of Publix in the Carolinas, Virginia, Atlanta, and we've expanded full chain now, so more southeast into Miami, down into Florida. Um, at the same time, we're expanding a little bit more northeast as well. So we're um, partnering with Safeway. We just launched there a couple of weeks ago um, in that mid-Atlantic division. Um, so yeah, it's been, it's been really, really uh, a cool time and, and kind of speaks to that 
retailers are understanding the importance of brand and, and brand attributes, and they understand what their consumers are looking for. Um, and it's exciting to see kind of them support our mission around promoting and protecting uh, generational family bonds. You know, Mark, I, I was curious about some other sectors. We've, we've talked a lot about groceries, but tell me a little bit about how uh, brands will kind of look towards food service restaurant also in, in 2023 um, when looking at a lot of these trends that we've already discussed. Yeah, so it's always a really interesting dynamic, the kind of uh, restaurant down to uh, retail space dynamics. So I think, you know, number one is always going to be around around flavor trends. I think that's always a big one. And that typically starts more in your uh, your fine dining and filters down to your kind of fast casual um, and then down into the retail space as well. So you've, you've seen that happen year over year um, with, with a number of different flavors. I think the other one is going to be around uh, cuts of meat. So, you know, for us, when we looked at chicken, especially how it evolved over COVID, is that people were kind of used to buying the same thing again, like your boneless, skinless breasts, those more kind of popular everyday items. And then they got, I think they got more kind of anxious to try new things. And we saw a lot of different, you know, dark meat cuts like drumsticks or your bone-in thighs, things like that were selling for us a lot more, um, which is just to say, I think there's a really interesting interaction there now that people are getting back to restaurants as well. Um, you know, they're, they're trying different things that they haven't been able to access as easily over the past, you know, two years or so. Um, and I think they're going to be trying to replicate that at home. So really from a cut perspective, from a flavor perspective, um, from a key ingredient perspective, it's really interesting to watch that that filter down. The the other thing I, I had a couple more questions on on retail if you don't mind bouncing yeah, back no, of course. Uh, uh, there. Um, kind of tell me a little bit about how the role of uh, private label is going to continue to be part of the strategy in retail in twenty twenty three for you guys at Farmer Focus. Yeah, private label is. Such a fascinating part of the retail dynamic. So historically, and this is a gross generalization, but historically, private label strategy has been a lot about price positioning. You know, um, a retailer might want to introduce a private label product at a lower price than brand. Um, but I think where that's working in our favor in terms of organic sales is that it's allowing consumers to kind of enter organic, if they're not already buying the product, um, it allows them to enter the category at a more like introductory price point, right? So it kind of gives them a lower, um, a lower tier to entry to start sampling organic and, and experiencing the difference in taste and quality for themselves. Um, what I think has been interesting, we look at pricing dynamics over the past year or so. Um, obviously there is a price premium to organic, but what we've seen is that both conventional and ABF chicken um, has been growing at a steeper price increase than organic has. And what that means at the end of the day is today organic is relatively less expensive to ABF than it was a year ago, right? So you have, you have kind of that dynamic, which has a rising tide that's going to serve all organic shifts. But then getting back to your question around private label, given there, there's that reduced price premium, um, and then private label is traditionally gonna be on the lower end of that. Um, I think it's, again, a great opportunity to allow consumers to trade up into organic and again, experience for themselves, what that quality, what that product looks like. Um, and then once they're there, starting to explore different brands, learning about them. Um, so I think it's gonna be a really, um, private label at the end of the day is a, is a great kind of vehicle to, to bring people up and, and sample the organic category. Yeah, and another way, 
that uh, I know you guys have looked at quite a bit and other people is a lot of whatever people are doing online or on-demand grocery shopping. Um, mm -hmm. Take me through getting into that space and uh, varying that compared to brick and mortar a lot of times. Sure, that dynamic has been quite interesting as well. You know, pre-COVID, there were a lot of conversations around growth models for um, e-com versus brick and mortar. Obviously, once COVID hit, uh, there was this immense spike in, in your on-demand grocery, in your uh, online shopping. And a lot of people were betting that, okay, now that this has started to spike, it's going to keep growing infinitely in that direction. And what we've really seen um, is since now that we're in this new normal kind of quote unquote post COVID, um, we've seen that trend come back down. So e-com is still growing 100%, but it's really at the rates that were predicted pre-COVID. So there was that spike and now we're kind of back to this normal growth area. Um, all that said is that we also see that e-com growth within particular groups. So younger consumers, maybe not surprisingly, um, also among black consumers, we see more um, e-com usage. Um, and then also specifically, Spins was talking about, they did some research around the natural and organic consumer is actually spending more money on, on .com on natural and organic purchases than um, traditional product sets. So I think it's something really interesting to watch. And again, it's going to shift a little bit by consumer, by category. Um, the last thing I'll say that's specific, specific to chicken is we've seen some interesting reporting around uh, kind of consumers are a little bit more picky by protein what they want to buy online. And I think something that has worked well for us is that um, chicken breasts are something that consumers actually feel very comfortable buying online versus perhaps like a, if you're buying a filet mignon, something a little bit more um, premium or for a special event, you want to see that in person and go to the meat case. Um, so I think all of that being said, it's going to be a, a dynamic to watch uh, and something that I think is going to serve the chicken category specifically quite well. Is, is there a reason, I know, I know you look at a lot of that stuff as a brand expert, is there a reason like just having frozen chickens okay for people, they're just, all right, just having that sent to them, it's, is that kind of one of the core things that you've able to look at as, as a brand person? Yeah, so again, I, I hate, to, hate to preface answers with it depends, but I think it's going to depend a lot on uh, the consumer and where they are. You know, there are certain parts of the country where um, it's just going to be organic protein, fresh organic protein is going to be a little bit less accessible. Um, you know, I live in, um, again, the New York suburbs and we have a grocery store on almost every corner and that's not always the case, right? So I think there's 100% a, a place for that, that frozen space. Um, and then I think it also speaks to the brand dynamic. You know, we're sold nationally within CrowdCow um, and we believe that the power of our story is creating this kind of loyal brand base around the country. So um, we sell our fresh product primarily up and down the East Coast, um, and then as far west as maybe Chicago, somewhere in there. Um, but when you have consumers in, in different parts of the country or within a certain radius of a grocery store that we're not partnering with yet, um, the, the ability when they hear about our brand and they want to support it, giving them this opportunity um, to be able to buy it at least frozen, I think is a great pathway in. Mark, just to, to wrap up, I wanted to get a little bit about your background working for Farmer Focus and kind of what's appealed to you to have to work on this product and, and working with this management when you when you came on. Yeah, so I have been here two and a half years and full transparency. Uh, I never thought I would end up working in agriculture. My career started in the, the toy industry, actually. Yeah. I spent a couple of years at Toys R Us and um, bounced around a little bit. But when I when I found 
this opportunity, I think one of the big things that spoke to me was, again, really around the mission, which is promoting and protecting generational family farms. And I know Corbin spoke to this when he was on your podcast last year. Uh, my grandparents were farmers and um, my dad and his siblings, siblings were not farmers. So it was not a financially sustainable profession to make its way down from my grandparents to my dad and his siblings. And I've just really loved that aspect of farmer focus that they're so dedicated to that, right? Um, and even to this day, when, when we're in meetings talking about uh, either, uh, how we're gonna partner with a new account or how we're gonna approach our um, innovation strategy, we often come back to that question about how is that serving the mission? And like, will this decision help us to help farmers preserve their lifestyle? And I just, I love that we truly keep that at the heart of our business operations. Um, and that's really kind of a big part of the reason why I'm still here and, and really love coming to work. Comparing meat branding, comparing to, uh, to toy branding or doing anything like that can kind of take that take me through that how how it compares doing meat branding versus you know toy branding or other uh things you've done in your career oh man i don't know if we have enough time on the podcast <laughs> to go through that uh it is significantly different in in great ways right there's there's unique challenges in both uh in an industry like toy there's incredibly high seasonality right so you're you're banking a lot of your annual sales on a very short amount of time, um, which creates a certain amount of risk. Um, and within fresh protein, there's a lot of intricacies as well about it being a, a live product on a fresh product that you only have a certain window to sell. And again, outside of a, a few certain um, frozen by design customers, like in that e-com space, we are fully a fresh brand. Um, so it's, again, it creates different challenges. And uh, it's one of the things that I've really loved about the career and working in brand management for different brands is that kind of the key skill set is is the same and transferable, but everything has its own kind of nuances and interesting quirks, and that's what I've really liked about uh, the career and learning that about different categories. Definitely. Well, Mark, last thing before we let you go on, on the yeah. podcast, uh, anything else we didn't cover uh, about 2023 that uh, you'd you'd like to chime in on? I know it's. It's an interesting time for everyone in the ag industry of trying to figure out what's what's next and what's ahead. So, uh, kind of, I guess that's kind of the last thing I wanted to, to touch on. Yeah. So when we look at 2023, I think there's a, a couple a couple key pieces that we're trying to stay cognizant of. Um, the first is consumers keep getting smarter every day, right? And they educate themselves through traditional kind of research channels. They also educate themselves via newer social media channels, right? They follow influencers. Um, so I think it's it's an interesting, as a someone who works for a brand, it's interesting to think about strategy and how can we reach consumers and how can we make sure that consumers are aware of our story and the category story within these different channels, right? And there's different ways to reach them and different ways to make that message heard. Um, and at the same time, as consumers educate themselves, they're holding brands responsible, right? Because we can have a big impact on um, society, on the environment, um, on animal welfare. So I think it's important to understand that for a long time, it was brands putting out a product and consumers would buy that. And now it's really more of a conversation that we need to listen to the consumers as well. So I think that's an evolving dynamic for 2023. Um, also from a, just from a, a consumption and cooking perspective, I touched on this a little bit earlier, that consumers, I think due to COVID, 
um, have a lot more experience and confidence now in the kitchen. So again, as part of this kind of conversation between brands and the consumers, um, I think we have to be willing to uh, serve evolving consumer needs, but not necessarily telling them what they should be making. So serving more as a source of inspiration, um, saying, hey, here's a set of products, here are some different ways that you can use them, here's, you know, but also hearing from them kind of what's new and what's trending and taking that into consideration as well. So I really love kind of that back and forth. Um, and again, it, it's one of the reasons why we've seen some success with our preseason line. And we're starting as we look uh, towards kind of further innovation. We're talking about ground chicken and what makes our ground chicken different than like what else is out there. And it's a little bit more kind of um, artisanal and like butcher style and, and some things like that. But it's what we're hearing from consumers that they're looking for. And I think that, again, it is this whole kind of relationship between brand and consumers is going to be pretty clutch in 2023. Well, Mark, thanks for giving us some insight today. Um on the podcast. Um, I know we uh, went over a few different things there. So I appreciate you uh, taking the time to explain some of them to our audience. Appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Make sure to check out the latest stories from the monthly print edition and online at meatpoultry.com. Also follow us on social media at Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram, all by searching at meatpoultry. And if you like what you heard, please leave us a rating and a review. It really helps us. All right, that's it for this time, folks. Thanks for listening and have a great day.